0: This episode is brought to you by Indie Insights. Indie Insights is our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to the film industry, movies and the creatives that make them, not to mention you, our esteemed listeners. Inside you'll find curated industry trends, articles, exclusive commentary and underappreciated films from filmmakers like you worldwide. And the best part is that it is completely Free, So join today at www.bonsai.film. It takes just a few seconds. And once you sign up, you'll get the very next newsletter on Friday morning. It's that simple. Go to www.bonsai.film to get Indie Insights, our biweekly newsletter, and join a network of film creatives just like yourself. And don't worry, we'll never sell your information or spam you with a bunch of nonsense emails. Just the bi-weekly film industry goodness you need. And if you ever tire of Indie Insights, simply unsubscribe. No gimmicks, no games. So go to www.banzai.film to get Indie Insights for free. You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Banzai Creative that helps creatives in film get where they're going faster by sharing the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives across the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Hello, hello, Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and this is an Indie Talk Week, and that means I'm here with my co-founder and my good friend, Nick Bugs. Nick, say hello.
1: Hello, hello, how pregnant art thou pauses. Speaking of pregnant, (laughs) let's talk about R. Kelly. (laughs) <laughs> no,
0: we we know that <laughs> R. Kelly had a song named Pregnant. It featured mm. Robert Thick and uh, it featured uh, Tyrese, and uh, one other, can't remember the third person, The Dream. Yeah, it featured The Dream. It's
1: a ridiculous song. Oh, you probably I, produced that track. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I do, I do recommend you go listen to it. It's on the 2009 Untitled album from R. Kelly. And it's ridiculous, but so entertaining in its ridiculousness. This week, he was uh, convicted on six of 13 additional charges. And this uh, this is probably the last time we will hear about him. So this is it. So I thought, l- listen, I've always been transparent about the fact that With him and Michael Jackson and others, I've always been able to separate the music they make, the art they make from the individual personal choices they make, right? Because I don't know them. So how can I, why would I conflate them when there's one I can enjoy and then one, you know, MF Doom was probably an alcoholic, but I love his flows all the same, right? Yeah. So, but here's the deal. I was thinking about this. This has been a busy week, eventful week. I was thinking about R. Kelly and the fact that his last two albums, and no one talks about this, his last two albums did not do well. Matter of fact, I I didn't like him at all. I thought they were well below the standard he created, well below. And I thought it was really interesting that once he started to flop, it then became killing season for him it became time for him to go back on trial he was no longer making money and then you look a little deeper just one level deeper and it's not a conspiracy theory you can you know but one level deeper and you realize that he didn't own any of his own music and that he was a money-making machine for his label who now owns all the royalties to all of his recordings and they've gotten rid of him he's going to be in jail probably for the remainder of his life, and he has no claim to the art he's made. I just find the timing interesting because when he was, he was no different when he, matter of fact, the things he were, he's on or was in trial for happened when he was on fire, happened two decades ago, one decade ago, when he couldn't miss And the money was rolling in and you have to realize R. Kelly is a guy who cannot, who is, who can barely read. He is barely literate and signs his contracts like a 1920s farmer, like with an X. So there is no excuse for him, but you also realize that it is, a, it, is, it is a shame. The whole thing put together is a shame. And when they were done with them, they're like, good, time for you to go to jail for all the shit you've been doing. But uh, when you were really hitting those numbers on the charts, we, we, we were able to push the dogs off for a little while. It just, it feels bad.
1: It feels bad. So it feels bad all the way around. So how does, how does, that, how does that translate to Mr. Big? <laughs> you know you know, what i'm saying sex in the city man like mr big's the man
0: you know uh, they came out with
1: a new series mm. and then next thing you know there's some you know some action there's R. some should have been allegations the i'm just saying there's some action there's some allegations mr big is tossed out and then his all his people that he thought I I'm assuming he thought where his friends came out and said, I can't believe he would do such a thing. And, you know, we, we, we side on, on, you know, or we are all on the side of the person making the allegations, not on his side. And yeah. we haven't heard much of anything about Chris Noth since that happened. Yeah. You know, was he at the tail end Were they, was it basically like, Hey, We don't really need you anymore. Let this happen and be gone. Is this a way to get rid of you? I don't know, but it's very interesting. It feels like there's a scale, (laughs) right, Nick? It feels like there's
0: a scale of of sort of accuse. There's an accusation scale, and it goes from Aziz Ansari to Harvey Weinstein, and
1: just depends on where you fall on that scale, how far you get pushed out of the. Yeah, and how far you fall from grace. And I think, you know, we should definitely say, like, we're not apologists at all, right, for any of them. I have no clue what Chris Knopf did or did not do. None. Uh, As far as R. R. Kelly is concerned. Yeah, as far as R. Kelly is concerned, you know, you and I are probably like, yeah, we don't know him. But, man, that video came out, what what was it, like almost 20 years ago? You know, I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) that look like you, bro. You know, so so anyway, not apologists. Like
0: your brother's. (laughs) Right, <laughs> uh, look like you, look like you,
1: bro. Yeah, but, but, but listen, you're you're right. We i we sell yeah. it. We separate the the music from it the artist never, in that way. But yeah, there will never be
0: an artist like Michael Jackson, whose pants are intentionally short, whose socks glitter, and who does all that vocal fill between lines. Right? People try to copy yeah, and, and who, who sings. Period.
1: Honestly and who sings about what he sings about I mean honestly yeah, that's that's one of the you know not to again you know as a further the tangent here if you will, but with Michael, I honestly I haven't heard anybody singing about we never what will sing about we never will that's
0: it never's a long time, so you know maybe I deserve to uh you know take a punishment if that if someone does come along but You know, but the the deal is in my mind and what I've seen so far, you're not going to get, I I, I just, it feels like we have lost uh, several true originals. And the, the key to that is, is that when you're a true original, you're highly eccentric. So there's a good chance that your normal life lives outside the bounds of the rules and that can end your life in a variety of ways. And with R. Kelly, I mean, here you have an R&B singer who's so cinematic in his writing. If you if you are a fan, you know exactly what I mean. And yodels. He yodels when he sings. He has that song. He has a few songs where he yodels. He's a feeling on your booty. He yodels at the end. <laughs>
1: I just don't. I don't even want to go there. It's just—it's it's a hilarious connection that you just made between yodeling and the title of that song. So it's just kind of like yo—you know, you can't even like. <laughs> just, he also yodels on a
0: song called Echo,
1: uh, yeah.
0: Where yeah, he's yeah. like, uh, "Oh, I want to hear you echo, echo." Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Orule, <laughs> orule, That's what he does. <laughs> Yeah. Here's a guy yeah, anyway. who he yes, yes. wrote a song yeah, 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 on the yeah. spot I called Sex Dolphin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: there will yeah. never be
0: another guy like this. Got it. And got and it. I, it's it's un, it's it's set. Tupac. There will never. They have tried to recreate Tupac, meaning the record labels. They have tried to recreate Tupac for over twenty years. They can't do it. They keep trying. and They can't do it because he really believed what he was saying. He was authentic. You can't pretend to be a revolutionary. It's either in the blood or not. You were either raised black, by a Black Panther or you weren't. And if you weren't, you can't be him. No matter right. if you try to deepen your voice and sound hard on the record, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like you see what I'm saying? So, like I said, it's sad all the way around, and um, you know, positive energy. know, yeah, now it's making me want to look up Chris of Knopf. R. Kelly. Yeah, but energy energy for Chris. Yeah, Noth.
1: but not, not, no, I'm R looking. Kelly. I'm going to look up Chris North and find out what's going on with him. That's yeah. It's a story that just fell off the base just of fell the earth,
0: off the base, yeah. Um, while you know the the um, army hammer thing, you know he's trying to sort of rebuild himself. That's he's doing his PRs done a, well, PR I I a see, great I job see. of just keeping him out of the news. That guy's working well, at a well, good, well, good luck in, I, on an island yeah. right now.
1: Yeah, and I say good luck to him. Um, again, I don't know him, but when it comes to Army Hammer and that his entire family, I think they will be releasing a. Um, I don't know if it's a docu series or yes, it's just a film, this. yeah, uh, basically about the family, right? So and it is going to be very damning, right? So it's and it's based off of um, I think the the sister, or it's Army Hammer sisters' memoirs. Uh, I think that's how that's how it works. But basically, it's a very damning account of the entire family. I mean, I think they've talked about, you know, I, so I don't want to stretch like it too far. Mary, She's like the new Mary Trump. Yeah, but it is basically like, you know, there's cannibalism. You know, there's all sorts of things that are happening that she's bringing out to, to the forefront. And, you know, Army Hammer may or may not be drawn into that. I'm not sure. But um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch all of these stories coming out and there's an almost like an, there's an anti, there's an, there's an, there's an, there's an anti-movement, right? So, and I was, so what I mean by that is that all of that stuff that was okayed in the past, right. And I think it's uh, a lot of it is the narrative around it is the powerful white man narrative. Mm-hmm right? Like that's who was successful. That's who controlled things. That's who owned things when it comes, especially to film and entertainment. Now the new narrative is, is that, you know, especially in the Hollywood scene, entertainment scene, it's that there are other people who look different, who love differently, who, you know, come from different backgrounds and they now need to be celebrated Mm -hmm. to kind of overcome and erase kind of the sins of the past. So over the past couple of, I don't know, maybe the past year. So I would take it. Um, so we're in 2022, we're almost done. I would say 2021 was really an attack on those who were, um, you know, feeding off of the industry in very bad ways. Right. We saw that, I mean, there was a movement, you know, there was a Me Too movement, there was a lot of attack on those folks. People were getting canceled, right? There was a whole cancel culture discussion that was much stronger than, you know, even through Netflix films and things that we've seen, right? The conversation about cancel culture, but we're not seeing as much of the cancel culture conversation anymore. We're now seeing more of that. I mean, I just call it the DEI culture conversation, right? So as we move into this year's Emmys, we saw, you know, Lizzo, You know, and Lizzo basically got up on stage to win her Emmy, right, which everyone's talking about is getting her that much closer to her EGOT status right now that Mm -hmm. she's got an Emmy, one Emmy, two Grammys. Um, But she gets up there and says that, you know, she's as a child, she wanted to see people like her. She's like, I wanted to see people who were fat like me. I wanted to see people who were black like me. And I wanted to see people who were beautiful like me. Mm-hmm. Right. And that seems to be more of the narrative that we're seeing in entertainment in Hollywood is less about the Chris Noth's. It's weird. It's almost like it just like it stopped. Now, it's probably never going to stop, but it feels like that part of the, the narrative is ending and we're moving into a new narrative of let's celebrate diversity. Let's celebrate equity right? People having an opportunity to be on the stage and have a conversation and let's celebrate inclusion. So now you have a Lizzo who is able to win an Emmy, you know, in this audience, in this, you know, amongst some of the best talent when it comes to writers, actors, directors, producers, you know, it's a whole new world now. And it's really interesting to see that narrative change. And I'm really excited. I'm hoping that it stays in the positive vein and, folks aren't just getting, you know, again, Me Too is legitimate it's a legitimate thing. I get it if something has happened to you or someone that you love, there's, there's, you need to, you know, speaking up is very important, right? And having mm-hmm. the folks that are uh, perpetrating these types of evils on people, it's very important for them to be identified. It's very important for those people to suffer the consequences of their behavior. Uh, but we do understand that Me Too'd also has a negative connotation that a simple allegation can kill a career, right? So I'm what I'm going to say is that I'm glad we've kind of moved. It seems like we've moved past that, the allegation phase of things, and we've moved into more of the celebration phase of things.
0: Yeah, there's a
1: good chance that Jesse Smollett
0: killed that movement in its own way because he used the power of accusation to his advantage until he was caught in a lie, a massive culture shifting lie. And once. Yeah, once I still want to understand what the, he was thinking. He was thinking, I'm going to get famous and I'm going to use what's working for the Me Too movement for my own fame and, and my own ends. That's what he was thinking. And mm-hmm. then the Aziz thing was so, by men and women, identifiable as nothing. Yep. It just, it just lost its, it just lost its steam now. Lizzo is incredibly talented. And one of the things you talked about was that shift in culture. And it is a shift because people from generation X and Y and boomers, they have the opposite of what you described. You described a generation and culture that wants to see themselves on TV Previous generations wanted to see beautiful people on TV, uh, beautiful by definition of Hollywood. Right. They didn't want to see themselves. Yeah, perfect, themselves perfect symmetry. Boring. Yeah.
1: They wanted <laughs> exactly. To see, you got it.
0: They wanted to see the spectacular. You know, they wanted to see the spectacular. And there is a kind of a Cold War going on right now as we shift in what is valuable in culture and it's making a lot of people uncomfortable. I know a lot of these people, they're uncomfortable. They can't, they don't get it. The other thing that's changed is, is privacy. And you saw how that played out, um, this week with P and B rock and him getting killed simply because they live him and his girlfriend live in a generation where you share everything you do and other generations, X, Y boomers, we protect our privacy. We value privacy. We don't want to right. tell you how much money we have. We don't want to tell you where our location is. We are good at keeping secrets. And part of that keeping secrets thing is kind of what, you know, helped people like Harvey Weinstein thrive in Hollywood for so long. So, every you know, it's all a double-edged sword, right? As much as those previous generations, for example, don't want to see themselves on screen. There's also a viral video going around of black children seeing a black aerial and just doing a backflip over it. Like, wow, she's black. Like it's so cool. And that made me smile ear to ear. I was like, you know, there's something to that representation thing. Like, like we got used to a whitewashed world as the, you know, as the term goes, and it's good to have that diversity in there where those things become norms. Um, the old generations based diversity on population counts. And this these last two generations, millennials and Gen Z, they look at diversity about who exists <laughs> so it's not about population count. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's just been an eventful week. And, and for those who don't know what I'm talking about on the B rock thing, his girlfriend and him posted their location at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. And then about 15 minutes later, they were robbed and uh, he was killed. And I think this generation is going to suffer heartache after heartache, heartbreak after heartbreak until they realize that there are some things these older generations had right, and those things are privacy, the value of privacy, the value of solitude, and the value of sovereignty, the ability to do something on your own, by yourself, or the willingness to learn those things. Um, Those are, to me, the three most dangerous things about it. Um, So we are gonna talk about The Emmys. You mentioned Lizzo. You mentioned the Emmys. I did. How can we not talk about it? I wanted to talk about this concept of currency to help filmmakers as well reach ROI. And I'm thinking that we should touch on that after we talk about the Emmys. I want to talk about the Emmys first because a lot of things happen, right? You had Kenan Thompson hosting. You had it airing on a Monday night against Monday night football that included Russell Wilson. So it was kind of a big deal. Uh, Russell Wilson is beyond football. He transcends football. You had Quinta Brunson. You had the Cheryl Lee Ralph song, acceptance speech song. You had uh, Ted Lasso and severance, two of my favorite shows from last year, winning a lot. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to go over on the ratings thing. I don't know like who is responsible for saying or sort of outing the ratings. They, it's there for everybody to see. you can see what the ratings are. but who makes it into like a massive story where it's like, hmm, maybe the Emmy Awards aren't significant. Maybe they're in trouble because no one is this is the lowest ratings of all time. Well, how many Emmy Award shows have post have, have aired Prime time? against the opening week, Monday night football game.
1: Yeah. I don't, I would uh, there, say very, yeah. very few, very few. And, and it's, it's a different time. You know, I think that there's probably low rating, lower ratings for almost everything mm-hmm. because there are so many visual distractions. Yeah. I mean, it, there, you know, there was a time when, you know, you had to watch CBS, ABC, NBC and Fox.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Like there, there was a time. That was it. And I think that they talked amongst each other, even though they were, they were competing. All right. You can do the Emmys on this night. All right. We're not going to run anything on that night. We're going <laughs> to wait for the next night and it's all good. And then captive audience for you guys. But hey, when we run our thing, you make sure you don't do anything on that day. Right now, you know, you've got people out there that not only have a plethora of options on their TV screen, they also have a plethora of options on their laptops, on their tablets and their cell phones. Yes. And they don't have to watch it live. Right. So like, what are the numbers for the day after, or what are the numbers for the weekend for folks who are like, I'm watching football but I'm going to record the Emmys and I'm going to watch that later. Right. Right. What are the numbers for that? I don't know. It's, it's a different time, right? You can't even talk about the ratings at this point just because (laughs) it's just different, right? It's just a a different way of watching television. Uh, And it's, there's so many, so much content out there to be consumed.
0: It's really interesting. You say that because podcasting is perfectly aligned for these times we look at 7 day run, we look at 14 day run, we look at 30 day run, we look at 90 day run because some of our podcasts like with guests are 2 hours long. Yep. And it's right. it's on TV it wouldn't be appropriate. Like people hate to watch movies where it's broken up, where it's like I'm watched half the movie then I watch the other half. Podcast that's totally normal. Like that's a thing. Like yeah. I'm going to listen to 20 minutes this morning, I'll listen to the next 20 minutes. And somehow it really doesn't hurt the listening experience. I have a theory. Part of me believes that people listen to podcasts the way that we listen to music in a retail store.
1: Do you follow me like in a retail store?
0: Right. There are like these hardcore podcast listeners, which are the core 20% that bring all the revenue, bring all you know what I mean. But the other eighty percent sometimes are listening to podcasts on
1: autopilot. I mean, osmosis listeners, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, like they're more comfortable with sound, and they're waiting for like that one sentence or that one awesome quote or that one new thing they learned. But in general, the rest of it's kind of kind of like intellectual white noise. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like you're like go into a store that has no music playing. It is not cool it is really difficult to find <laughs> the right fun. pair of
1: jeans. Like I cannot find clothes that fit
0: me because you're not playing any music.
1: Right. You don't hear that vanilla ice. So it doesn't work for you. Huh? Yeah, It's like, it's
0: not working for me. There are no sweaters <laughs> right. in here.
1: Sir, they're right there. Right.
0: I can't see them <laughs> yeah. because you're not playing George without Michael. without The beat. Right. Without right. the beat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think podcasts work the same way. And you're right about TV. It's like, you don't get the chance to sort of stretch that viewing out. And that's why streaming works. That's why Netflix is looking at charging $65 CPM, which is double more than double the normal rate of CPM for streamers. By the way, they are pursuing this sort of ad um, ad based tier to Netflix they are pursuing it hardcore. And they're trying to sell it at double the price. Well, I think they understand how people watch shows and these other streamers, they copied the podcast world and the newspaper world and the understood CPM that's cost per million or cost per thousand world. Yep. And they copied it and took the same rate when they don't have the same product and the customer behaves differently, you know, with the product, so I think Netflix is really smart about those yeah, things. We'll see
1: what those those numbers look like. You know, it's the, inflation is a real deal going on right now. You can't keep you know putting. That's those another reason up to charge more.
0: You know what I yeah. ate yesterday? I ate a twenty dollars Cobb salad. What the hell? It was a great Cobb salad, though. It was gigantic, but it was twenty dollars for
1: lunch. Yeah, they need to stop making those big salads. To tell you that much. No, I won't even get into it, but yeah, yeah, it's a big, it was yeah, a big salad, so, you're right? Yeah, to quote <laughs>
0: Elaine from Seinfeld, or George, it's the big salad, and uh, and when you have a coffee on top of that, and then you tip one dollar to the cashier, um, which is my standard tip, by the way, uh, I have found that regardless of service, one dollar every time. To the cashier. Additional dollar. Yeah, just additional dollar every time, regardless of service. So even if the service is useless or bad or doesn't exist, even if you're self-serving, dollar. And then so you it just evens give yourself out. a dollar. Even like no, but you just <laughs> and then at restaurants I have a blanket <laughs> number, and this is the beauty of apps, Nick, I have a set number I use percentage for all tipping, regardless of quality of service. Good. And I found that it evens out quite right. well. So Very the number good. is underneath what you would pay a great server, but mm-hmm. far above what you would pay an average or bad server. So it, it, there's an Got equilibrium it. and balance and it's the same every time. Anyway, back to the Emmys. Tangent king here.
1: Back to the Emmys. (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, the Emmys Emmys have low
0: ratings. I do think they will continue to get lower. I don't think there's a lot of I don't I don't think people, the lay public understands the importance of the Emmy Award.
1: I don't know if you can speak to what an Emmy means. no, I think that there's, it, to me, I don't think it's that. I think that there's, the difference is that once upon a dream, we had captive audiences for yeah. a lot of these award shows, right? It doesn't matter. I think CMT awards, BET awards, but do people Emmy's, care Ca- yeah, Academy if awards. If
0: they want an Emmy, do people, do, do people like, I'm well, talking that's about that's not people in the industry. I know thing. people in the industry care a lot. I'm saying do people outside the industry that are tuned in to see the pomp and circumstance of celebrity, do they really care the next morning when on Twitter they see that so-and-so won an Emmy?
1: Well, okay, so here's... Like so they here's do well, when well, they well. find
0: out that so-and-so won an Oscar.
1: Yeah, well, here's where I think it's it uh, It's a yes that they do care. Um, it may not be the Emmy specifically, but it is the the recognition and the award to whatever they support. Right. Mm. So, for example, Lizzo. Lizzo didn't make any series. She made a series about big girls. Mm. Right. She made a series about, you know, people who look like her, people who are beautiful like her, right. People who need to be seen though they were not seen right underrepresented communities, you know, people always look at this underrepresented. Oh, black people. No, 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 no. (laughs) There's like this (laughs) podcast that we're doing right now, right? This podcast is about an underrepresented community, right? It's an underrepresented community of the non-celebrity filmmaker. Right. Right. That's what we're doing. We're supporting that community. So Mm -hmm. for Lizzo, People care that she won an Emmy one because she has a Grammy and that gets her halfway to EGOT status, which is something that, you know, only a very small handful of people have, but it validates what it is she's doing beyond film. It validates that her message is important. It it validates that there's value in what she's doing, what she's bringing to the screen. It
0: also validates that she's talented, Nick. She's not the only big girl. Right. Yeah. Like, so she's doing like we something. We can't ignore <laughs> right. that currency.
1: Yeah. So that like that's, she that's made what a I'm big girl that thing that was good. It. it wasn't right. just and, and she competing that she's competing against black other things. And big, you know exactly. She's competing against other things, and I think that's why I do believe that you know folks who are interested in those people are interested in those awards. I don't believe that there's a large population anymore of people who are just interested in the award mm. right again we had we were captive you know so that is the thing that was on there wasn't anything else on that was the biggest show right You would see all your favorite celebrities either performing you know during the show or on the show or at red carpet and you know you could you could root for them. We don't have that captive environment anymore. So I don't know that you do have a lot of people in the mainstream public who are as interested about the Emmy as they are interested about the people and their journey and the stories that they're telling.
0: Yeah. And I don't even know if it's the people easy test. Can you tell me individuals who won Emmys the previous year? And for me, I really have a tough time with it. I could tell you shows that won Emmys Mm -hmm. like succession like Ted Lasso, who killed again this year. Like I mentioned earlier, Severance. I remember those shows and I think people are interested in shows that are winning Emmys because there seems to be a baked in validation. Like I'm validated that this show is great and I'm the one watching it because there's so many shows to watch. It's like you literally can be watching three shows that no one's ever heard of. I was watching a show last night that Sal was Put on. And it was called, uh, God. What is it? It's a British show um, called the. Um, I don't know. It's like it's like what what is it? What is it called? When, was it a uh, period piece? No, no, no. What is it called when? Well, kind of. It's a series. But what is it called when a when a woman, not a doula. Yeah, you're about a, it's
1: called the Midwife. That's midwife. why I asked you It's a period piece from the 1950s yeah. and 1960s. It's a mid, yeah, it's, it's, the it Midwife. Yeah. It might be called
0: the Midwife or the mid Nurse the midwife or something wife. like that.
1: No, it's called the Midwife. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know if it is. I don't I don't know if that's the name of. It. Anyway, it has 11 seasons. I've never even heard mm-hmm. of it. It's on its 11th season. I've never heard of the show. So, it has it must be doing pretty well to have 11 seasons. That's my so it's, that's that's my point. So I think people remember shows, and not people.
1: Well, I think it's a, it's a, it's a potentially a combination. Well, Jason Sudeikis, you know, I yeah. mean, I think Lizzo, and then for me, people, I think there is a lot of support behind not just Abbott Elementary, but I'll remember Quinta Abbott Brunson. Elementary, and, and now, I'll remember, Brunson. Qu-
0: and, and and maybe <laughs> I remember Quinta Brunson, but. She's kind of having a moment right now, anyway. So maybe that's mm-hmm. why I'll remember her, but I'll definitely remember Abbott Elementary, and we'll remember right. Cheryl Lee Ralph because she sang. Yep.
1: Well, that's. I think that yes, she sang, but it was, you know, was I think that too? I'm I'm very yeah I'm very happy that you know her video the video of her acceptance speech is going viral. Yeah, you know, and I, and it's, so for so many reasons, I think that there was. Just such strong emotion, you know, because you wonder something like that. When someone performs like that, to me, that's the heart of a performer. Right. Because you saw her when she got that award, she was like, What? Like, me? She didn't even get up. She had no expectation to win. She's been in the And she was shocked. Yeah. And yet, when she got up on stage, She let it out as a performer. Right. This is something that I I cannot imagine that she planned that. Right. It was just an outpouring of emotion. And that is the way that she meant to do it. And then she just said, you know, like this is like, like, don't give up on your dreams. I think that was one of the most powerful things about it. And she meant every last word and it was, it was amazing. And I think it's an an echoing
0: of our sentiments
1: that we give on every, yeah, and
0: yeah, exactly. And and every piece of content we put out, it's like, no, don't choose now to give up. You don't know, you don't know what's wrong. Right. She has what, 290 credits.
1: Yeah. Across a variety of film and television, you know, features, shorts, you know, all this stuff. I mean, it's just, and for some, you know, some of the things that she has done for her not to have been nominated for those things is, you know, when you look back, you're like, wow, you didn't get it for that. You know I mean? And this is one season of this show and 40 years out into your career. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's very much deserving. Uh, but as I, as I said to you earlier, when we were talking about it, I was just like, this is amazing. And she is, you know, very well deserving, but I can imagine that this is not, in fact, the pinnacle of her career, right? I think this is talk about validation, it. right, from the Academy. I think this might serve as a validation that she belongs amongst that peer group, right? but she's done so much. She's been of such great value. She's done so well. She's met so many people Worked with so many people. I can only imagine how many highs she's had over the past 40 years. You know, my wife still sees her and it's like, you know, sister act too, you know, like you can't get her out of your head from that, you know, from being, you know, in that, that role. And just, I mean, you felt it, you know, when she was mad, bro, like, he felt that, you know, mama mad sentiment. I mean, it was real. It was palpable, right? Like it was just, so everything she's in, you feel it. And for her to get this again, I think that this again, huge validation and an amazing award. She's much, she's deserving, but I do feel like this, you know, should not be the pinnacle of her career. I think that the value she's provided as an actor in the many roles that is the thing that we should really be looking at. So I invite people to go back and kind of look through the catalog. I know she's been in some things that like some Christmas movies and things that we might be like, ah, it's Hallmarky, but you know, folks can count on her yeah. in those roles. But I would say go back, watch Sister Act 2. I would say go back, back back and watch The Distinguished Gentleman and I would say go back back and watch Moesha. Oh yeah. Right. So, yeah, yeah so watch those and you'll see that she has been long since deserving of the accolade that she got the other night.
0: Yeah, hear, hear. And there are a lot of people who don't win, and as a defense mechanism, they try to play a um, a game. They try to play like a a morality game, right? There are a lot of games or status games and power games and all this stuff, but they try to play this game where it's like, I'm not doing it for the awards. I don't care about awards. Awards are so superficial. But if you actually put that into your own life, you would realize how important awards are in the, in the function that they serve, which is, or the purpose they serve. Imagine if you were an engineer your entire life at a corporation, let's say you worked at. I don't know, Lockheed Martin or something. (laughs) And you're working there your whole life and every performance review you got was a three, one through five scale. Every performance review was a three. Every three. No one knew you were there. You never won any awards. No one ever recommended you. You didn't get a raise. No one ever tried to promote you, but you've been plugging along for 10, 20, 30 years. You know, why would you want to spend so much time and never achieve the type of excellence that's worthy of someone's attention? And so I, I decry that. It reminds me of people who don't have uh, something and then say that something is is not worth it, or it's like whatever. There's a lot of people that like hate money. Uh, we, we've talked about right, that before. Right, right. Like, okay, they didn't get money, so. Or haven't got it yet. And so everybody that has money is corrupt. They all are bastards. They all, you know, uh, cheated to do it. They all, like, uh, uh, ignore their children. Like, there's all these little stereotypes that go with it. And it's all coming from kind of this uh, moral game that that gets played when you, you know, when you want to have a defense mechanism against the thing you might have wanted. And people do that with awards, and I say to hell with that. Uh, speaking of <laughs> uh, different types of uh, currency, I want to hit this really quick because we're going to go and yeah. do a deep dive on this later. But you know, one thing that me and you do every single day is talk to filmmakers that want to get something made, want to pitch a story, want to brand and market a story, want to find out if the script is worth making, and the ask that comes after that is always the same. And it is, can you fund this movie or part of mm-hmm. this fund part of the movie? And I've mentioned this on some other conversations and any talks, so one of the most difficult things of, uh, I deal with day to day in our jobs at a day. And the thing that depresses me the most is having to say no to so many people. It is really difficult because no is, is if, if why is the most powerful question in human existence, no is the most powerful word. And it's uh, our statement. It's, it's, it's inherently cynical. You know, It's so when you tell someone no, that cynicism over time sort of leaks into your bloodstream as well. And it's a tough thing to do. And one of the reasons why you have to say no isn't just because it's mostly because you don't have enough money to go around. Like you can't fund everything. And then the second reason is, so you have to be really careful what you pick. But the second thing is obviously is the project good or not. But the third thing is how much currency do you have? And that can be a little, this is something me and the filmmaker Frederick talked about as well, or it's like, how, uh, you know, how can you go beyond money? And it, this can be confusing to indie filmmakers and people seeking funding and trying to do a raise where they say, well, what more do I need than the money? That's all I need. All I need is the money. And it's like, well, no, that just means you have a project that you can pay for. Like, what about the other pieces of currency that make a film's money back? And, and what do we hear, Nick, when we talk when, when we get pitches for ROI? Here are the comps. Here are the things that made money yeah. that are just like my movie. Uh you know, here are the markets, here are the things. But none of that is really it. That's not real, is it, Nick? It's kind of like it's 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 highly superficial and, and, and mostly inaccurate. You know, more times than not, even the comps are inaccurate. And so I want to just talk about really quickly these. These five types of currency that either guarantee ROI or get you really close, along with the right business structure. But if you're independent filmmaker, and let's say you get money, remember that money is just to make the thing happen. Again, just like it's the equipment, it's the time of the of the crew and the in the cast and et cetera. But do you have the currency of access? The currency of talent, the currency of network, and the currency of knowledge. All of those currencies need to come together. They need to coalesce, if you will, in order to guarantee your equity investors ROI and in turn guarantee you a second, third, fourth film. Okay. So let's go through it, Nick. Money Mm. is money. Okay, so we, we figure
1: that out. But it's now, also a good way to look at it from a way to evaluate filmmakers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, I said that, but we are going to do a deep dive on this. So, in the deep dive, we'll talk about how money is a lot of different things. So, but let's just for now say money is money. There's a lot of different kinds of money. No, or that's just that's say,
1: or currency, right? Currency, our currency is a lot of different things. There's right. a lot the of overall value. topic
0: is types right. of currency. And one yep. type of currency we all know is. Right. Money. Access. Yep. Access is do you have access? Have you been platformed before by someone with access? It's it's can you walk in to a room and the people in the room know you? Is that room an important room? Are the people around important people that are going to help you out? Um, this is not the same as network. Network is kind of who you know, and I'll get to that in a second. Meaning, meaning who you know that will work with you, like who's in your personal right. network. Access is more like someone has given you a golden tea, uh, golden tea, golden key <laughs> to a level above you that you haven't earned yet, but you have access to it because so and so's mom knows so and so's cousin. Or you did a favor for so-and-so. This is that part where they say it's who you know. It's because now you have access to somebody who's operating at a higher level than you've earned so far. Okay, talent. Do you have the talent? Now, this is a tough one because every artist says, I have the talent, so give me the money. But some of that's really observable. When you see the sizzle reels, when you see the teasers, when you see the short films I've done, and you realize they're not really there, and some of these filmmakers get really frustrated. They're like, you should have given me money already. And it's like, <laughs> I do want to give you the money, but your movies have to be better because I'm right, not in the business yeah. of, you know, taking a shit on my on my own bed, right? Like, I I, w- I would like for this to turn out well for everybody. I want it to be what for you everybody. want to say, Nick. Yep, a win-win-win. You got right. It. That's the whole deal. Okay, so network can you get crew to work for you can you get um, a a great line producer can you get uh, locations for free because of your network things like this and then knowledge do you understand that it's a film business do you understand how it works do you understand the structure you you have yeah do you have do you understand the structure you need to have before principal photography to ensure that you're in the black? Uh, Do you have knowledge of your equipment? Do you have knowledge of every person's um, role on set so you can help them out or see problems in advance and save time and money? Things like this. So those are the five. I know we want to go quick, but Nick, can you expound or give me any thoughts on each one of those? So we can start with, well, you know what? We'll skip money because about money. Let's go to, let's go to access talent network and knowledge.
1: Yeah. I don't think we need to expound further on those. I want to flip it a little bit. Oh. Um, so there's the, the currency that a filmmaker flip you, flip has for real. There you go. Um, there's a currency that filmmaker has, you know, but there's also the currency that I think that they neglect hmm. in the people that they engage with that are in or in their network. So for okay. example, you talk about people coming to us With a script and then saying, Hey, can you give us money? Yeah. Well, they're neglecting our currency, Mm. right? Because it goes beyond just funding. Right. So it's like, instead of asking the question just about funding, it's more like, Hey, can you be a part of this project? Mm. Right. Can you support this project? And if you're interested in this project and seeing where it's going, we would love to determine what type of currency you can offer to the project, right? Because let's say we did not want to provide money, but because we like the filmmaker, something that they've done in the past, or a relationship we have with them in some way, we're willing to give them the currency of our network. Yes, Right? Or we're willing to give them the currency of our knowledge, or we're willing to give them the currency of access to a production company, a distributor, a high level producer, whatever it is, we're willing to give them access, give them an open door to something that they did not have access to before. And I think for me, that's one of the biggest challenges is the fact that the the filmmakers may be neglecting the currency that folks that are in their network or high net worth individuals have and they stop at money and that for some folks can be off putting right all you're asking me is for my money but that person knows that they're worth much more than the dollar signs yeah. so if you're not asking for you know to take advantage of or to use a, a person's worth then you might be, you know, you might be basically negating your opportunity altogether, right? Because again, you saw the person as a dollar sign, not as a person of value.
0: Yeah, that's a really wonderful point. I'm glad you flipped it because it's true. Every opportunity, whether it's us or someone else, obviously, like it's a really Mm -hmm. important way to interact with someone is to just try to understand what is the currency they bring versus being sort of um, close minded, if you will, are almost like, uh, single minded to a fault. I mean, some right. of that focus is really great, but I know that there are people that, that say, well, you're here for money and that's it. Or you're here just to give me, uh, access, let's say, and that's it. And, I'm not really bringing anything to the table. Right. But I, I want that from you. And then, and then they don't explore deeper. And I just right. think it's a huge, it's a huge mistake to make. And it's a really great, great point that you bring up. And and so we are going to go deeper into this in a future indie talk. And we might even talk about it in some other uh, places like uh, our website, www.bonsai.film or, In our biweekly newsletter, Indie Insights, Mm. which is uh, taking the uh, country by storm, it it feels like. uh, People love this (laughs) newsletter. We get a lot of feedback on it, and we work hard to make sure it happens. Uh, Nick, I, and the team at Bonsai, I can already hear the question. The question is, well, how do I become a a member of this? How do I read it? Well, you Mm. go to www.bonsai.film forward slash Subscribe. So that's bonsai.film forward slash subscribe, and you will get the very next newsletter we do. We release these on Friday right. afternoons, and uh, you'll love it. And look, here's the deal. If you don't love it, just unsubscribe. There's no big deal to it. There's no gotcha here. Uh, it is simple. If you love film and you love independent creators, this is the newsletter for you. And if you get tired of that, then just unsubscribe and come back later. Uh, you can also reach out to me and Nick for questions about this podcast or branding and marketing or advisory producing or script coverage or any of the things that we do that you find on our website. You can reach out to us. Uh, nick is at nick at film, And I, uh, you can reach out to me on uh, Twitter, I like Twitter, so you can hit me up at Flame in Your Heart. That's F L A M E I N U R H E A R T, and you can find us on social media at underscore Bonsai Creative on Instagram and Twitter, and search for us on TikTok and Facebook at Bonsai Creative. So. All the many ways that you can get in touch with us and uh, find out more about what we're doing here and what we're trying to accomplish. One last thing I promise I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our Voice of the Filmmaker program. This is a big deal. We have partnered with Women in Film and Television, and we're going to continue to partner with other fiscal sponsors um, to allow you to donate to a program that will enrich the underserved communities uh, in filmmaking. Uh, and and the, one of the largest ones is women in film. It's just a reality. It's a sad reality. People think about women in film as filmmakers, and it's still not like a, a, like a regular feeling, right? It's kind of like that old riddle about doctor, female doctors. And we just assume the doctor's a guy. And we just assume the filmmaker is a guy. Well, we're here to put an end to that and and help out and enrich the lives of these female filmmakers across the world. And we do that through the Voice of the Filmmaker Fund. And there's going to be so much more attached to this. So keep your ear to the ground on that. You can find out more about that at, again, bonsai.film. So with that, Nick, this has been an absolute blast as I knew it would be.
1: Yep, as always, man, as always.
0: Yep. And can you leave us with
1: the credo? Of course. And I feel like I should throw a pregnant pause in there. And I should say to our filmmaking friends and family out there, be better, be creative, be engaged.
0: And thank you for listening, Nick. Talk to you soon.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man. We'll do it again.
0: All right, man. Be good.
1: Yeah, man. Take care.
0: Peace. Hey gang, one more thing before you go. I want to talk to you about Indie Insights. Indie Insights is our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to the film industry, movies, and the creatives that make them. Not to mention you, our esteemed listeners. Inside, you'll find curated industry trends, articles, exclusive commentary, and underappreciated films from filmmakers like you worldwide. And the best part is that it's completely free. So join today at www.banzai.film. It just takes a few seconds, and once you sign up, you'll get the very next newsletter. It's that simple. Go to www.banzai.film to get indie insights, our bi-weekly newsletter and join a network of film creatives like yourself and don't worry we'll never sell your information or spam you with a bunch of nonsense emails just the bi-weekly film industry goodness you need and if you ever tire of indie insights you hope not but if you do simply unsubscribe no gimmicks no games so One more time, go to www.banzai.film to get indie insights for free. And thank you for listening.